0: Hello and welcome to Cordial with Brett Crossley and Tom Bennett, the podcast where we mix and contemplate cordial conversations about the world, the people in it and their work. So today we have Mr. Eduardo Ferreira de Souza joining us all the way from Posso Alegre, Brazil. He's a coffee producer who is paving the way for agroforestry techniques across the coffee industry. So, uh, welcome, Eduardo. How are you?
1: Thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here and to talk a little bit about myself and what I'm trying to do here in Brazil.
0: Absolutely, it's great to finally be having you on the podcast. It's uh, it's going to be a ripper. So, uh, man, let's let's get stuck into how we first met each other. Yeah, we were in we were in Brazil at the time, and we were taking our Q processing course together. Um, obviously you're a producer of coffee and I was there for pretty much no reason other apart from to get a basic understanding of how things are done but you were there trying to improve your coffees which is uh (laughs) I guess much more important than what I was being there for but yeah I can remember talking to you in the warehouse at a cooperative that we were visiting at the time and you were just telling me a little bit about yourself and and I was struck from the first moment and I was amazed by your, your ideas so man i it was uh it was quite a first time meeting you and you and you laid it all out and you and you definitely won me over
1: yeah man uh, it was a uh, real pleasure to meet you it's always awesome when we when the first impressions are so good as it was I mean uh, we got very close uh really fast and I guess our ideas are very attached and connected so man you became a a real friend and so supportive so it was a pleasure to meet you and it's a pleasure to be here and and also to talk about about it oh yeah yeah man it was uh it was quite the introduction that's
0: for sure and then uh i came to visit you late last year in early november which is probably not the best time to be visiting farms in Brazil because it, cause it rains quite a lot. It's the, it's the wet season.
1: Yeah, we got stuck. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> we, we tried going up the hill in the car and, and, it, and it didn't quite make it up, and fell back into a few coffee trees. So we, so we lost a few beans that, that day, but <laughs> they, were, they were happy soldiers in the end and, and yeah, we had a good time, that's for sure. I also remember seeing a, an ocelot for the first time, or as they call it in, in Portuguese, a Jaguatarica. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty exciting.
1: It was my first time as well, so it was awesome for uh, we both, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And
0: I can remember you trying uh, Vegemite on Pangjukejo as well. Yeah, that's one of the best combinations of all time. An Australian classic with a Minero classic as well. Amazing,
1: this is a a real mashup, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, it's not for the faint hearted. I can see why people don't like it, but i tell you what, I love it. And I've done it a few times, even here in Canada, I've found some uh, Brazilian food, and including a pão de queijo and, and got some veggie Vegemite from home, which is nice, and put them together. Awesome. All righty, mate. Let's kick off the meat of the podcast. Uh, we want to get to know you a little bit better. So give us a
1: rundown of your history and, and your family's history in the coffee producing area and how you got into it. Uh, my name is Eduardo Ferreira de Souza, as you already mentioned. Uh, I'm 27 years old. I was born and raised here in Mantiqueira de Minas, Brazil, a place that you got to know pretty well, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Uh, a wonderful part of the world. Awesome, man. God's country. <laughs> So my family has been producing coffee for over a century right now, and I am the fifth generation of coffee producers. Wow. I'm I'm currently producing coffee on what used to be my grandpa' farms. And talking a little bit about my back background, I, I graduated in international affairs and economics, and I also hold a master in in coffee economics and science. Nice. Where did you where did you do that? So uh, this is a very important part of my life and a unique opportunity that I got. I I discovered the master when I was chasing answers, (laughs) uh, as normally we do, right? And I got to know the master and very fortunately I I applied and uh, I was accepted. So I went to Italy, more precisely to Trieste which is uh, the city where Ili Café is set. And uh, the master's degree is offered by Ili Café and also University of Ugini. So I spent an amazing year in Italy learning about the whole uh, coffee chain. Fantastic. So
0: I'm sure you would have met other people from across the globe there. with there other producers from other origins or was it mainly from importers or roasters or what type of people were you doing the course with?
1: Yeah, man, definitely. And this for sure was one of the most exciting parts of the the master. I had uh, almost 30 uh, different colleagues from 14 uh, different regions, 14 different countries actually, and most of them uh, were producers as well and people from central america colombia africa asia all over the world actually and the the most excited part it was to see how we were passing through the same things and we were trying to find uh, solutions differently but we, we realized that we, we could do it better together and mix up uh, our ideas and our accomplishments, I could say. Wow,
0: that must give you a, a pretty strong network across the globe for uh, coffee producing. That's that's fantastic, man. Yeah, I wish I could
1: have done a, a degree in coffee. That sounds fun. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. And it, it is a, a, an amazing opportunity because, as you know, normally we, at least as... Producers, we 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 normally don't have the chance to meet each other, to exchange ideas, to to get to know how people produce coffee in such different uh, parts of the world, right? Uh, south, North, everywhere, man. So it's a very traditional uh, production, uh, and is uh, spread all over the world. So it took different paths and different journeys and this is one of the greatest things in coffee right absolutely absolutely yeah
0: that's my favorite part about it is the people that you get to meet yeah yeah unbelievable people all over the globe including yourself mate no yourself mate tell the truth oh i'm telling the truth indeed So tell me, how exactly did you arrive at the fact that
1: you wanted to be a coffee producer? This is a funny question, actually. I mean, I must confess that even though I'm from a very traditional family in coffee cultivation, all my family is in the business, actually. But I I never thought I would become a coffee producer one day. When you are a country boy, your main goal is to leave your village and get to know the world, right? So at the beginning, I thought coffee would never give me this opportunity. I would always be locked on my village and working as my great grandpa and my grandfather and everybody from my family. And I was pursuing, chasing my own path, my own dreams. So I thought it would not be my my way to do it, you know? But, yeah, once I heard that if you want to be uh, the best, uh, why don't you choose to be the best for your community, you know? So I started to work in the coffee business when I was in the college, Uh, some years after my grandfather passed away. My father was running the farm by this time, and he had bet on better prices and good yield, for instance. But... Neither of these bets were true, actually. So we were hit by a terrible draw, which decreased uh, the production. And also we were affected by very bad prices. So this created a problem situation for the business.
0: Yeah, man, that must be rough. So so you saw there was an issue and you jumped in. What what did you start realizing while while you're in the coffee industry?
1: Yes, as I mentioned before, my background is not in agronomic. Everything that I know, at least that I knew was based on my family debate and reunions where I was always hearing the the conversation and what they were discussing. So my approach was kind of differently. I was trying to use my background or at least what I was learning the, in the university uh, to help my father somehow to improve the business. So I started my, my coffee journey trying to understand actually how the business of growing coffee works. I was aware of how commodity markets present several risks and hazards. And I've been uh, hearing all my life, actually, how coffee prices were decreasing year by year. So I realized that we have to face at least three main risks, let's say. Uh, First of all, the price risk as coffee producers, as commodity producers, let's say we are always full price takers, right? Yeah. This is what we learn back to the university. We cannot put the price on our product. Besides that, the another very important problem that we, we must face is the production risk. As farmers, we don't know precisely how much we are going to produce in the next harvest season. Uh, so we have to sell our coffee, get our money and try to forecast how... Uh, climate, how the weather, how the disease, the pests, and all the stuff that uh, makes a whole lot of difference in our production will be for the next harvest season. So it's always very unpredictable and hard to, to, to forecast precisely. And the third one? The third one, I would say that is the cash flow risk. I mean, when you only have one product to sell, and only one period of the year that you get your income, uh, you must be very clever on how to spend your money. And at the beginning, I realized that, that those problems were uh, very important for the business and was, it was a, a very problematic situation that we, we would need to overcome somehow. But I guess that when everything makes sense uh, for me was when I realized another issue. I mean, the the other side of the coin, when we are talking about uh, agricultural or agronomic stuff, which is the climate change. Uh, I mentioned to you before that we passed through a very harsh draw. And I was chasing these answers and I I got to know how climate change is affecting uh, our business and how this is the, the other thing that we needed to address somehow. So when I realized all these economic hazards combined with the the consequence of this climate change, I realized 100% that I had to find solutions and probably change very significantly uh, the way that we produce coffee nowadays. So as I was telling you, when I, I, I got those questions, I got also the opportunity to go to Italy and to learn about Uh, the coffee chain and to get to know all these people from all over the world. And when I realized that everybody was suffering from uh, the same issues, I realized that we could work together and try to find solutions. I used to, to, to speak and to work with two colleagues, two great agronomists, by the way, one from Guatemala, Ricardo Chacon, and another one from... Uh, Brazil, Vitor Stella, and we start to, to chat and to, and to find solutions for what we, we've been learning and what we, we were facing, let's say. So uh, that was the time when we realized that the only way to, to overcome the situation was through agroforestry. Uh, for me, it was uh, something completely different and new. Uh they were studying and somehow working with this idea, but they didn't know how to approach the system or this concept through the coffee business or using it as uh a base for coffee cultivation, you know yeah, for sure,
0: so you basically took the agroforestry idea and and transformed it into the coffee. Industry. Obviously, there are other agroforestries in other origins, but what makes it different for your agroforestry in Brazil?
1: Uh, this was the first goal that we had. We realized that we had to connect all these uh, ecological preservation heritage or legacy that the world has. Uh, regarding coffee cultivation, with uh, the best that Brazil can offer, which is mechanization and technology. So uh, to approach economically and agronomically the, the issue, we realized that we had to develop an agroforest system that could use all the, the mechanical stuff while increase uh, ecological preservation to mitigate the climate change. So this was the, the first goal since the, the bottom line, since the day one. And we tried to create our agroforestry system based on those two main aspects. Fantastic. Unbelievable, man. Do you have a name for it? <laughs> yeah, sure, me. I baptized the system as Tropicalia. Because each species that we use in the, in the agroforestry was originated from all the tropical parts of the world, Africa, Australia, for sure, Asia, and all this part of the world combined in one place called Brazil, the sunny <laughs>
0: Brazil fantastic so what do, what does tropicalia mean is it just from the tropics is that is that kind of where it comes from
1: y- yeah the idea came from the, the tropics but also from a uh, artistic movement from Brazil which combined traditional music and art from Brazil uh, with new ways to play and new influence I would say as rock and uh, electric guitar so that was the the inspiration and also this idea of mixing what Brazil can uh, provide the best with different influence from all over the world. Unbelievable,
0: man. So, Tropicalia, you mentioned that there were several species in the agroforestry system. Uh, Give us a little bit of a rundown of, of how that works and how they work in harmony together.
1: So, pursuing this idea to develop a system where we could mitigate the impacts of the climate change while we could decrease all these economic risks that we were talking about, uh, we choose bananas, coffee, for sure, macadamia, African mahogany, and different soil coverage species to start our concept, let's say. The idea was to use them to create positive interactions in terms of agronomic and also in terms of economical uh, side of the business. The The first Thing that we we had to approach was to create diversification and to improve the cash flow. For an example, to 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 give is the banana. Banana starts to produce on the first year, so it fulfills an income gap. Uh, considering that the coffee starts to produce only after three or four years, so uh, it's a very tough part of the coffee growing because you have to plant, which is very costly and you have to maintain all this area all these plants uh throughout three or four years when you get your first income so banana fulfill this this gap uh start starting to produce since the the year one uh, where you can use this income to uh, to maintain all the area
0: Nice, nice. And then moving through to the, the coffee cycle, the macadamia cycle and mahogany cycle? Uh,
1: the macadamia is the middle term crop. First of all, it's not a commodity. So the price uh, is completely different from the from coffee. Uh, it not depends on stock market or international prices. And besides that, it's also a very valuable crop. So uh, this species plays a very important role by being a very important part of the income. Uh, analyzing the the system as a as a whole throughout the years, let's say. What so the mahogany? The mahogany is the long term asset that we have. It's the saving, uh, as I used to say to everybody. So it's a growing market as well, and it can be sold in the internal or international market. So it's a very handy plant. And by by harvesting these mahogany trees, we could uh, increase the area six times. So it's a very important thing, uh, considering that hardwood producers have a huge problem regarding the how long it takes to mature the investments that they do. So you're saying that you can
0: make as much as six times the amount of money from that land over 15 years?
1: Yeah, I'm saying that if I'm harvesting one hectare of mahogany in this system, I can plant uh, six uh, hectares of the whole system in different areas. So it's very uh, helpful because... Uh, by the year that we harvest the, the mahogany, we will prune for the first time uh, the, the coffee trees. So it uh, mixes perfectly and we can uh, increase uh, our area, our production area just after it by using only the, the money that we get from the mahogany uh, trees. Fantastic. So
0: give me a bit of an understanding about the cost benefits of going through the agroforestry system as opposed to a monoculture just coffee in hectares system like what what's the
1: what's the difference in value i guess everything is different uh the monoculture paradox mm-hmm as we used to to say, uh, presents a lot of issues and hazards for the producers. The the problem of the cash flow, uh, all the risks to put all the eggs in one basket, let's say, uh, all these problems when you have only one crop and only one product uh, makes things very hard. That's why I guess that uh, agroforestry is the way to approach Uh, not only coffee cultivation but several different species and to improve uh, and to create safeness for the the producer uh, regarding not only the economic terms but also the agronomic aspects of cultivating. So instead of growing a monoculture system where
0: you have purely one crop, how much of a reduction in, let's say, coffee will you produce using this agroforestry system as opposed to a monoculture?
1: It could be soon to to say precisely, but I I have some ideas to share for sure. People here in Brazil are very connected with the idea of uh, producing as much as they can. But as you know, we suffer a lot uh, of the biennial path, which means that we produce a lot one year and the plants are so stressed that in the next year, uh, the plant will not produce as much as it could. So this is one thing that most producers do not put on their their math, you know. They don't count how this uh, stressful environment uh, also creates a lot of issues. Because when you have a huge crop, you have to have a very good... Uh, infrastructure uh, to dry this coffee, to warehouse this coffee. So you need uh, sometimes uh, facilities, workers, machines that in the next year would be not useless, but for sure you will not use as you should. So it's way better for you in terms of decreasing the, the price risk, uh, decreasing your costs Uh, in your necessity for capital when you have a more stable production. So this is one part. And the other very important part is uh, the idea that shading system uh, necessarily decrease the production of coffee, which is not true. Uh, There are plenty of studies and research nowadays that already shown to us that when you have around thirty or forty percent of shaded, uh, the coffee will not produce less. The yield will not decrease. So it's a matter of uh, managing the the shading system to get the best the best yield that you can without put your plants uh, into a, a very stressful environment. So I guess, uh, we have to open our eyes and start to count and to put on the records all the the direct and indirect costs that we have when we are uh, producing coffee. For sure, man, that sounds
0: sounds great. I mean, if if somebody can get that down and prove it, it'll 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 change the industry in my eyes for sure.
1: Hopefully, man, and hopefully it will be us. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Yeah so give me a bit bit more of a rundown on on the environmental side of it you mentioned the the economics already but give me the agronomic or the environmental side of the agroforestry what benefits can you see from
1: that let, let me give you some examples. In the case of the bananas, uh, it provides a, a very early shade that protects coffee seedlings on their most delicate part of its life cycle. It also pumps the water and nutrients where coffee roots cannot access, so, in the deep, deep in the soil, let's say. And we can uh, use it as green manure by pruning the banana leaves. Which provide also a very good organic matter and nutrition for the coffee plants. Uh, when we consider the macadamia, macadamia is a big tree, let's say, uh, which provides a lot, lots of organic matter as well, and it's an amazing shade system for for the coffee. Uh, mahogany is it's a huge tree. If macadamia is a big tree, mahogany is a huge tree. <laughs> Uh, which also provide lots of organic matter, uh, but it it also plays a fundamental role by acting as a windbreaker for all the plants, and it is the first layer of the the shade system. So, for instance, in the case of uh, frost, uh, it would be very useful to have a layer of a huge tree that is covering all your cash crop, you know? I've been talking a lot about organic matter uh, and all these plants plays this role by producing this organic matter, not only for the coffee, but, but for the whole system. Because uh, one of the main goals, agronomically speaking, let's say, uh, is that we want through this system to change the traditional path of increasing necessity of external inputs uh, by creating the resilience and providing uh, a better ecosystem for coffin growing. So the organic matter, it's fundamental to achieve this goal, because when, you, when your system provides a lot of organic matter, when you can uh, reuse the, nu- the nutrients uh, all over the years and all over uh, the different plants that you have, you can uh, decrease your necessity uh of chemical fertilizers or any kind of fertilizers and you create a more stable uh system where the plant suffers less from solar radiation, lack of water, and all these stuffs that hurts not only the coffee but any any kind of plant. For sure, for sure. Man,
0: that sounds unbelievably good. But tell me how Bananas, coffee and macadamias and mahogany can all be mechanically harvested. H- how, do you, how do you figure that out
1: in an agroforestry? Uh, the thing is to create a dynamic way to approach the, the idea of cultivation, the production, the agronomic production, uh, do not need to rely only in static things. So we can plant different crops uh, all over the years. We can plant uh, different species in different years and sometimes remove some plants to be benefit of the machines. Uh, Besides that, we spend a lot of time thinking about and considering spacement, density of plants and how each role of the system would combine or not uh, the different species that we have. So we try to, to organize, let's say, the forestry in a way that we could use uh, the, the machines while we, we still could be benefited by the, the positive interactions with all these, these plants. Fantastic, man. That sounds unbelievable. But considering all this, I mean, why aren't there other people doing it? This is uh, a good question uh, because there are a lot of things to consider when, uh, when we talk about that. The first thing is that coffee is a very traditional crop, right? Not only in Brazil, uh, but all over the world. So everybody uh, has its own way. to to produce coffee and believes that this is the best way to do it. Uh, Besides that, I I must say that this debate about the climate change is actually a big deal and makes our lives very harsh because most of producers do not know anything about this phenomenon. Uh, So they they cannot see that the drought or the frost, pests and disease outbreaks are increasing year by year, and that the traditional way that they they cultivate the coffee is not providing the answer or or the tools to mitigate problems or issues.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, Eduardo, Matt, I hope you can teach them the way to do it, and you can prove to them the way that your agroforestry is mitigating these effects. So Ricardo in Guatemala he you said he's an ag- agronomist that works in the agroforestry side of side of things has he has he implemented it in any coffee farms in Guatemala like the idea of bringing in some mechanical harvesting and some cro- crops that you can rely on to to provide income
1: across the year sure uh, this is another very important thing Uh, regarding our project i mean while uh, brazil needs this biodiversity that places as guatemala has a lot to offer that has been growing coffee shading coffee and within a very complex environment so we have a lot to learn from them and they they could learn or they can could use uh, the mechanization that we have been using here in Brazil. So it's an amazing opportunity to exchange knowledge and exchange uh, tools to create a better path for everybody uh, that are working not only with coffee, but with different species. Uh, he has been working as a consultant uh, for for different producers, not only coffee growers, but Uh, producers of different uh, cash crops. So this would be also fundamental for our growth, for the growth of our project. And he will be starting the agroforestry uh, project in his own farm right now. So it will be awesome to see how uh, the concepts that we develop for Brazil would be used in Guatemala and how we could create uh, good achievements here, good achievements there, and exchange all these these knowledge and benefits with each other and with all the producers that are willing to to be on board. Fantastic,
0: man! It's it's unbelievable. Onwards and upwards, man! It's, uh, <laughs> it's great to hear. Alright Eduardo thank you very much for having a little chat to us and telling us about your unbelievable story and the project that you're working on right now. So yeah what what can we expect from you in in the near near future? A
1: lot of work mate, Yeah uh, for sure. Uh, I'm still running different experiments, trying to use different spacements between the plants, different density of each plant. Uh, We had a lot of different designs for our agroforestry uh, for not only my own reality, but for small, medium, big producers, uh, not only in my region, but all over Brazil, and hopefully all over the world. We are very connected with the concepts that we created. And we do believe that we can replace some things and change a little bit uh, some of the concepts to, to be used, uh, the, the whole idea on each kind of situation or in each kind of reality. So I guess the, the first goal is to, to improve what we already have scale up uh, the system and create these these other concepts and designs that could be used for everybody fantastic so
0: for the listeners out there how can they see what you're doing do you have some sort of social media presence
1: yes uh people can find us uh, on instagram or facebook uh, through Fazenda Pedra Preta. And it would be a privilege to talk to anybody that are interested in the, in the Agroforest Project, in coffee cultivation, or any uh, related uh, issue or thing uh, regarding these topics. So hit us, it would be awesome to talk and to share what we have and to get uh, your opinion as well. All right, well, everyone jump on that.
0: Hit him up on Instagram. Thank you very much for having a conversation with us today, Eduardo. I look forward to uh, to having a few few coffees with you and, and on the phone these days because of travel restrictions. But hopefully I get to come down and visit you soon.
1: Uh, thank you, Tom. Uh, it was a privilege to talk to you. you. Always, It is always good. You are a great guy and I really believe on your work. So best luck for the podcast. I will be always available for you guys. And I hope uh, it was good enough for everybody. It was fantastic, mate. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Alrighty. Well, there's a lot to unpack from that. I mean, it was a little bit of a lengthy conversation and there was a lot jam-packed in there,
2: but it was very interesting, well, at least from my perspective. What are your thoughts, Brady? Yeah, definitely. I've just had to plug the hard drive into the brain um, just to... (laughs) extra storage quite the download absolutely there might be a little bit of jargon in there for some listeners uh,
0: but if you do have any questions please get in touch with us we'll uh, always answer as quickly as we can cheeky
2: plug of the um, instagram send us a message absolutely jump on there cordial.live brilliant so tom where do you want to kick it off what, what's stuck out for you mate well
0: I think I want to start from the start and and just want to mention the fact that um Eduardo's a fifth generation coffee producer which is pretty incredible. I mean his family's been doing coffee for a very very long time, that's for sure.
2: That is a really long time. Um I'm not really familiar with how long people typically stay in the coffee industry, but I imagine like cattle farmers, I suppose it gets just the land gets handed down generation to generation.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Brazil's had coffee since the early 1800s, maybe late 1700s. So it's been around for a while. But yeah, I still think five generations, you're upwards of 100 years. Yeah, right. So how did coffee get there? I know we're sidetracking a bit. Yeah, no. Well, people argue that coffee started in Ethiopia or slash Kenya or Yemen. They're the three main uh, narratives of where coffee originated. But it eventually got taken two different ways, one through Asia and one through uh, a place called Bourbon Island, and that was the route that the coffee that Brazil has took. So the coffee uh, got distributed from from Yemen, and the French took it and took it to Bourbon Island, which is a colony of theirs, and then it went across into Brazil, and since 1850 or so, they've been the largest producer of uh, coffee in the world. Got it. Right, right. Very interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah. A- uh, like Eduardo, I suppose. That's a good segue then. So I think the thing that really stuck out for me in your chat with Eduardo was that, you know, he's a young guy, right? He's like us. He's, he's not old and wily and wise like some of the folks in the coffee industry. He's he's new. He's, he's taken the approach of learning theoretically about the coffee market. He's taken that kind of more academic approach to begin with. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, for
0: sure. I mean, the master's of coffee (laughs) coffee economics and science
2: yeah how good's that
0: unreal yeah i would have loved to have done that i wish i'd known about it you know (laughs) a few years ago but i didn't
2: Tom, you still can
0: i I still can but i think i want to do a a master's in something different i don't know we'll figure it out once it once it happens but right now i'm just enjoying myself yeah fair enough cruising cruising indeed but that that course was so beneficial for the progression of Eduardo because he got to meet so many different people. And that was part of his realization that that he wanted to start making an agroforestry that was more business sense than than anything else in my eyes, uh, because he could talk to other people and realize that, okay, yeah, they had these things that were mitigating the effects of a, a changing climate, let's say, but didn't quite have the business acumen to to make it work financially. So I think... That culmination of things and for him to realize that through talking to other people across the world is is something that I think he he really valued and is a, an amazing thing.
2: Yeah. Just touching on that. I think for him, based on his story, he, he went there with an understanding of the problems that he saw his family facing and the challenges they had on their coffee farm. So he, he came in with, with a knowledge of the, the issues in the industry, at least uh, firsthand, and then he realized through the the course and meeting these people from around the world um, on coffee farms as well, realizing firsthand that everyone's having very similar problems. His economic brains, so he's got that economic training before he even did this degree. He could apply that kind of problem solving from that economics lens and maybe solve, help solve the problem that everyone else was facing or collaborate to solve the problem, but make sure that the economics was front and center of it. Absolutely.
0: I mean, agroforestry isn't new. Eduardo is not creating the first agroforestry. But what he's doing is unique because he's bringing the the Brazilian uh, specialty, I guess, into it. A uh, little cheeky coffee pun there for, for those who are in the coffee industry listening. But the best thing about Brazil is their advancement in technology and mechanization. That's what he's bringing to the agroforestry concept. I mean, the way that I look at it, and this is, this is a story that I tell quite a few people that that asked me the question about what are your thoughts on the on the economics of coffee not that many people directly asked me about it but people own land they don't own necessarily the the coffee trees they could put anything on that land that's the that's the part that they own so why not maximize but also strive for consistency and efficiency uh for for producing as much on that land as they can for the for the poorer people in in other countries that have one hectare or half a hectare of land i think their focus should be not just how much coffee can i produce but what can i produce from this land that gives me enough money also gives me enough food on my table to be able to live and everything else in between and i think that's what what this agroforestry could do
2: i think you make a good point tom it's it's making coffee more robust without the a um another coffee pun um it's making it a, a part of the work you do on your coffee farm. Like you've got the land there. How do you make that productive soil afford you a living standard and a way of life that you're not struggling? I think that's essentially what we're yeah, all trying sure. to do. We're trying to help um, raise the price of coffee. That's one way to do it. But you can also diversify instead of just focusing on coffee, which is you know, volatile priced uh, futures market. So I think... Um, having multiple streams of income from that one chunk of land. Um, Eduardo was doing macadamias, uh, mahogany, coffee, bananas, right? And he was doing other things as well. But I think that in and of itself means he's got regular income from the bananas because they kind of fruit, I think, more than once a year. And then the mahogany will eventually yield him in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, but it will yield him a huge chunk of money um, for all that time that it's accruing. And I think that, that element of complexity and almost forward planning uh, is, is a new element, uh, at least for me, to understanding the, the coffee production system that I don't think is really yeah. there yet, at least in the mass market. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it sounds a little bit counterintuitive. Like if you're a coffee producer, Eduardo is effectively saying, well, you shouldn't have as much coffee as you can. It, it sounds a little bit counterproductive, but in the end, it's people's lives. If the coffee isn't providing somebody with enough money, then they have to look at other avenues, which is the greatest thing
2: about diversification, right? Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, I remember sitting uh, in a lecture, I was in my undergrad, actually, I was doing, it was economics of climate change. And this guy came in from this research institute. Uh, He focused primarily on financials, uh, and he focused on energy markets. And something he really, he said to me that's kind of stuck with me ever since, he said, energy companies, um, so your big BPs, your AGLs here in Australia, kind of big energy companies that have traditionally invested in coal, traditionally invested in gas, uh, traditionally invested in oil. That's been their avenue or their kind of method for delivering energy to the market, right? And I think Mm -hmm. what this guy was saying was that it comes to a point where the alternatives or other methods of delivering energy become cheaper and you have to then consider... As the company are you in the business of oil are you in the business of coal are you in the business of gas or are you in the business of energy and if you're in the business of energy your job is to find the the cheapest and most profitable way to deliver energy to the market and i think where this kind of links into what eduardo is doing because um, i feel like there's a very strong link eduardo mm-hmm. saying to the coffee farmers are you in the business of coffee Or are you in the business of maximizing the productivity of your land? And if you're currently struggling to maximize the productivity of your land, and the litmus test for that is, am I getting a sustainable income that my family and my community can live off? And if the answer is no, then potentially you need to reconsider what your land is for absolutely spot on and he's not saying divest from coffee that's definitely not the answer what he's trying to say is that just let's reconsider what we're doing here and i think i think that's a great thing absolutely
0: yeah you're right he's not he's not trying to divest
2: himself of coffee he loves
0: coffee and and i mean every time i talk to him it's mainly about the coffee but yeah you're completely right and that's a fantastic analogy man i wish i i was sitting in that lecture with you unfortunately not
2: Yeah, yeah. It was a great class, actually. Um, Anki LaRue is the professor or assistant professor, whatever she is now, uh, that kind of brought in that course. Um, I will get the link to that guy. Uh, His name's Tim, if I'm not wrong. He's got all these reports about the energy market and the need for businesses to reconsider how they invest if you're interested. Cool. Hit up, Tim. That's good. But
0: what I find uh, really fascinating is the fact that Eduardo is progressing at a at a pace that that is really impressive. I mean he's because of his connections with the agronomist that he's working with in Guatemala, he'll have the ability to see the results uh, in a completely different coffee growing climate and and different growing system effectively which will which will really test his system and, and his ideas and see if they're working out. I have faith in them but we'll have to wait and see how that
2: works. Exactly it's going to be a cool project to keep tabs on. And I think uh, he's, he's, it's such a new and innovative concept, or at least from the approach he's taken, it'll be interesting to see if it's replicatable. Um, that's a really important thing. Um, if it does work for him, can he get it out into the marketplace and get other people uh, learning and doing the same as him? Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: So, yeah, while, uh, while we could have had a conversation with Eduardo for hours, as, as you may well have known, he's, he's pretty good at talking, that's for sure. Uh, We did have to limit it there, otherwise he would have tuned out. But I do need to follow up with him on actually talking about the coffees that he's producing because that's something that we didn't quite cover. We covered everything else except for that. But I really want to know what sort of impact it will have on the quality, if if he expects to maintain the quality from uh, what he already has or if it's going to increase or or what he really expects from it. So that's something that we definitely need to keep tabs on as well. He's still in the infant phases of it growing and being in the ground i think he's getting his first harvest this coming april may onwards so that'll be really interesting and hopefully i can get my hands on some have a
2: nice cup of coffee yeah sustainable agroforestry coffee put that on a label
0: that's it agroforestry <laughs> grown coffee that's yeah there you it. go the new standard <laughs> Exciting stuff. Well, hopefully we can get some into Australia. Who knows? We'll see.
2: Yeah, I'm sure we'll be
0: looking for a market. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Brady. Well, some interesting stuff from Eduardo and we'll definitely keep tabs on that. The links will be all plastered all over our social media. So check that out. But uh, we'll catch you all next time for another exciting guest. We've lined him up. we have uh, just about done with the podcast now. So you'll be seeing that one soon as well.
2: Yeah, happy days. Yeah, it sounds really good. Sounds really, really good. Also, check out Tom's blog post about Ed Wido. just a brief summary of what, what went on and Tom's take. You can find that on our website as well. Cordial.live. That's the one. Too easy. Happy days.
0: All right. We'll catch you next time, Brady. Have a good one. See you, man. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cordial. We will be back next time with a brand new guest to mix and contemplate more cordial conversations about the world, the people in it, and their work. If you happen to be enjoying our dulcet tones, listen to more cordial conversations on all major platforms like Spotify. And if you still can't get enough of us, check out our website and Instagram at cordial.live. The link will be in the description.